All right. If you could open your Bibles back up to 1 Samuel 17. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much for this opportunity to come. Lord, I just ask that your words be um, spoken through me, Lord, that uh, this service is for you and, and by you, Lord, and that I'm just a vessel. Lord, I just pray that you continue to work in this church and work in this body, Lord, and that you have control and, and uh, complete dominion over this service and this sermon. Lord, I just pray that this, uh, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So I got to preach a couple weeks ago and uh, spoke on David, so I figured I would just continue on with David. So the first portion of, of uh, David that I reviewed was uh, 1 Samuel 16, where David gets anointed. Um, and that sermon focused on three things, and those three things are going to reoccur in today's sermon. So I want you guys to be thinking about those three pieces. So those three pieces were that uh, you need to be about your father's work. David was about his father's work. You need to be ready when called, and need to be ready to use the talents you have been given. Okay, so kind of think about those three elements as God then tells us the story of David and Goliath. A lot of us have heard the story of David and Goliath, have seen the VeggieTale version of David and Goliath, all those pieces, right? But it's helpful to go all the way back to hear all the pieces, because when we talk about David and Goliath, we always think about you know, they slew him with the sling, and Goliath is dead, and we on go and party. But there's a whole bunch of backstory that goes into that that fight. So I broke I broke 17 down into six parts. Um, so we're going to talk about the man being Goliath, the deal, God's man, the bitter brother, Saul's plan, and God's plan. So. Starts out Goliath. So Goliath is from Gath. He's a Philistine. Um, you guys will, if you guys have read through the Bible, you know that uh, Goliath is a giant, but he also had four big brothers. So in Second Samuel 21, 15 through 22, there are four additional giant brothers that are all part of Goliath's um, clan. So, um, so what do we know about Goliath? So he was a big guy. Right? So Jonathan read uh, that it was, uh, let's see, that he was six cubits and a span. In my Bible, he's nine feet tall. That's a big boy. Uh, uh, in some of the research that I did, it said that he may have suffered from acromegaly, which is the issue of nearsightedness. So when God grows you tall, he doesn't grow your eyes well. So those who have a giantist form actually have double vision or uh, nearsightedness. So, like, you'll hear this as it comes back in the story, that that may have been part of the reasoning why Goliath had issues. Uh, so, nine feet tall, suffered from nearsightedness, but he was a strong guy. His armor weighed 125 pounds. And when we're talking about armor, we're talking about basically just his chest plates. 125 pounds of... Right? Like, when our military goes into battle, their armor that they wear is considerably lighter than that, and you got to figure that you have to be able to carry all of your armor plus. So, 125 pounds of armor, plus he was wearing a bronze helmet and bronze greaves. The greaves are shin guards, right? So, uh, your tibia is a very fragile bone in your body, and if that gets damaged, so that's extra protection. 
His javelin alone was 15 pounds. Right? So a javelin is going to be a, an element that you're going to be able to go and throw a large distance. So if you can chuck a 15-pound weight a large distance as a weapon, your strength is pretty amazing. Okay? He also carried a sword with him. Right? So that sword was going to be proportionate to his size and weight. That's a big sword. So nine feet tall, decked out in armor, 125-pound armor, bronze greaves, bronze helmet, 15-pound javelin, and a sword. This guy, as it says in... Um, Verse 33, right, when Saul says, oh, don't go and pick on this guy. He's been fighting from his youth, right? So this guy's been a trained warrior basically all his life. So there you go. We got, we got the man. So the deal. Anyone think that it's odd that, that Goliath makes a deal with the Philistines? As I go through and I'm like, okay, what's, what's the, what's, where does this come from? So wars in ancient times, they were sometimes decided by what they call representative combats. So representative combat, a champion from each side would fight, and the results of their combat would be determined by those results. So it's one-on-one versus hundreds-on-hundreds. The advantage of that is that the losing battle doesn't lose as many people. The winning people don't sacrifice as many, right? But the piece that struck me is that uh, that in ancient times, they believed that the results were the outcome that were controlled by the, war- the gods of those warriors. Goliath, if he would have really known that, was picking the wrong fights. <laughs> right? So, the, so instead of the military strength, it was that they believed that the gods of the warriors dictated the outcome. Again, we've, we've, Jonathan's read this to the end of the story. We know what happens, but, right? Um, Saul lacked confidence in his God, but David was confident in God. So, okay, so he, we got this deal. So we got this mammoth of a guy. He's the champion for the Philistines. So he comes out and says, all right, instead of us fighting as groups, uh, I'll come out, I'll fight whoever you pick on. Um, we'll take you on. Winner takes all. Okay, so if I win, you guys become our servants. If you win, we'll become your servants. So, God's man. So, we've got Goliath, we've got the man, but God has his own desire. So, God has a man. In verse 12, we catch up with David, and, uh, and, and David is God's man. So, David is going back and forth to tend the sheep. Verse 15. Remember from the last sermon I had that he needed to be about God's work. So, so David is at this point the anointed king. He is the heir apparent. He is coming next. But what did he do? He went back to tending the sheep. And again, next chapter, he's back tending the sheep. He's going back and forth, hauling supplies to the front lines, and coming back and hanging out with the sheep. Verse 17, you need to be ready when called. So 17, 17. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take the ephah of roasted grain and these ten loaves of your bread to your brothers and hurry to the camp. So he's working the sheep. Dad says, Hey, go take these supplies to your brothers. So remember I said that those three elements are going to be called. That you need to be about your father's work. You need to be ready when called. And you need to be ready to use your talents. So David shows up. He's delivering off all the goods. And he hears um, this man, this giant, 
mocking the the whole Israel army. David comes in and is like, like, what is up with this? Says, um, what happens to the winner? So the winner of the battle, if if Saul's team wins, uh, gets great wealth, gets a daughter in marriage, and gets a tax break. Right? His father is exempt from taxes. Almost sounds like um, politics today, right? Great wealth, married off, and a tax break. Okay, so uh, David comes in. He's like, hey, what's going on? You know, why hasn't anyone gone and taken this guy on? All of a sudden, the bitter brother hears this. Now think about the bitter brother. Verses 28 and 29, uh, Eliab. Eliab was the oldest. If you flash back to chapter 16, when uh, when David gets anointed with oil and becomes the next king, who got skipped over? The other seven brothers. Right? And if you flash back, First uh, Samuel 16, 7. 16, yeah, 16, 7. So, um, so when they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Right? So here you got the bitter brother who's like, Hey, like I'm here. I'm battling. You're just a young little punk. Get lost. Right? Like, I've got this. This is my role. Right? I got skipped over. I'm not the next king. This is what I'm doing to get my claim and for fame and glory. You're out of here. So, uh, rejected by the king. So, so Elip says, uh, why are you here? And who did you leave the few sheep with? Give me a break. Few sheep. That's a little bit of a dig. Right? David was a was a shepherd. He was tending his father's flock as well. So, so Elab's ticked that like, all right. So, like, your job is to be amongst the sheep. Go back. Go get. Go back to the work that you're doing. Give me a break. This is big boy work. Of course, had he done any of the big boy work? No, because every day, every night, he runs back into his tent because he doesn't want to be the guy who didn't step back fast enough and gets claimed as the guy who gets to go fight Goliath. The, the one I love is that uh, Eleb says, uh, you've come here to, to come watch us because I know your conceited and wicked heart. Is that the pot calling the kettle black? Right? I think Eleb's the one who's ticked off and has a conceited heart and is wicked. He says, you only came to watch in verse 28. So, you've got the man. You've got the deal. Here are the, the battle game. You've got God's man, David, and you've got this bitter brother. So this is my favorite parts of the story. Uh, Saul's plan. So we're in verses 30 through 40. So what's Saul's initial reaction? So Saul, uh, so Samuel anoints David. Uh, he brings him to, you know, and, and then uh, David and Saul get to meet. Because remember that uh, Saul was being tormented by evil spirits. So he hired David to be the the music player to kind of calm his soul. So anytime he kind of got worked up, David would play his music and Saul would be at peace. So David and Saul know each other. 
So now David comes back, and this is about three or four years since he's been anointed as the next king. But he's not, he's not the appointed king because Saul's still alive. So what's Saul's initial reaction when he hears that David's, David's seeking information about what's going on? So, uh, verses, verse 30. Uh, I'm going to go back to 29. What, oh, uh, yeah, 30. Uh, we had turned away, and someone else had brought up the same matter. And the men answered to him before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no, uh, let no uh, one lose heart on the account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. He's like, all right, like right, I'm done listening to this guy talk trash about my God. I'll go fight him. But what was David? David was a 14, 15-year-old boy bowed to take on a nine-foot trained giant, one of Gath's elite forces. Right? Special teams. He knows all the tactics. He's got all the, the, warrior, the warrior skills. He's got the weapons. He's got the armor. He's got everything. Saul's response was, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting for a man from his youth. Right? So David's got to give his his background. He's got to persuade Saul. He says, hey, like I've been tending my father's sheep. And when the lion comes and when the bear comes, I slaughter them because my sheep is important. My dad's sheep are important. Okay, So if I can kill a lion, I can kill a bear, I can kill a giant. That's not much difference. I don't know if that would have swayed me, but knowing that a 14-year-old boy has killed a lion and a bear by hand is pretty good stats. So, so Saul says, all right, well, go for it. But, but Saul is still thinking from his um, centralized mind frame, right? Saul has been a warrior. Saul has been, you know, decorated through his, his trials and all that. So what he's going to do is he's going to make David into him. Right? So he says, um, like, I'm going to dress you up and I'm going to put you in Saul's tunic He's going to put the armor on. He's going to put on Saul's bronze helmet. And he's going to fashion him with Saul's sword. David didn't say, hey, I'll go fight on your behalf. David said, I'll go fight the way God has taught me how to fight and defend. So he puts on all this armor. He puts on all this stuff. And, and Saul has him walk around. And David's like, nah, it doesn't fit. Right? If you put on, right, if I gave Jonathan my clothing... Like, my clothing's not going to fit my 14-year-old son, which is roughly about how old David was. And I'm not calling myself Saul, but adult sizes, youth sizes. Like, his armor, his equipment's not going to be designed for David. David didn't have to worry about that. God has already protected him. God has already managed all of this. God was already going to be in control. And David believed that walking in which is the reasoning why when he heard the Philistine, he heard Goliath up there you know, trash-talking. He's like, why has no one gone and picked off this guy? Like, he's just a man. Really big man, but just a man. So now you've got God's plan. So, verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield-bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. So realize that that a nine-foot man is going to have a shield as well as his javelin and his sword. 
that shield is big enough that it is carried by an additional person. So there's really three people in this battle. The shield bearer, like, very rarely ever gets noticed in the Bible. But there are these people who walk around and protect someone who's bigger, stronger, more important than them. Imagine how big that shield had to be if your job was to be close enough to a nine-foot giant and be effective to be protecting them. So these two guys are walking towards. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearers in front of him kept walking closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the air and the beasts of the field. (laughs) Come on, punk, bring it on. You're nothing. I've squished bigger things than you for lunch yesterday. Like, you got nothing. David's powered by the Lord. So he comes right back and says, You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head. Let's stop there. He's going to cut off his head. How is David going to accomplish that task? Because does David have a sword? No, because Saul's sword didn't work. He gave back the armor, the tunic, the bronze helmet, the sword. He said, I can't do this. This isn't me. This isn't how I'm supposed to go and do this job. So he gives back all his equipment. So remember, because that that piece is going to come back in just a little bit. Today I will give the carcass of the Philistine army to the birds into the air of the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. Big G God. And those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, but the battle is the Lord's, and He will be He will give all of you give all of you into our hands. So He's declaring right there, it is not going to be by the sword that He's going to win. Okay? The Philistine moved closer to attack him, but David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, he took out the stone and slung it in a slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So what we, what I went back and researched is that when we think of like a slingshot, we're thinking a little kid toy. In ancient times, a shepherd carried with him a rod, a staff, and a sling. Those were the weapons, those were the craft tools of a shepherd. So the rod and the staff were designed to um, to save sheep, to, to guide them, direct them, and the sling was your weapon. A sling at that period with a stone fired was effectively a 45 caliber pistol. That's the amount of damage a skilled shepherd would be able to do. We've already got a report that David could go and kill a bear and a lion. So it is evident that he is skilled. So you take this this young little boy, this 14-year-old boy, and you offer him a sling and a stone, and he can do some serious damage. I always think back, why did he bring five stones if he knew that God was going to take care of it? Was it because he realized that Goliath had four other brothers? Right? I don't, I don't want to deep dive down there. That's like a, that's a rabbit hole there. But Okay? So, uh, this day, he said he's... He, and remember that 
that uh, every day for 40 days, Goliath has come out and taunted them. Right? So today is going to be the day that it comes down. Goliath comes out and says, hey, I'm going to cut off your head and we're going to feed it to the birds and your flesh to the, to the ground, the beasts on the ground. And David re- responds and says, nah, I'm going to do it to you. Almost exactly the same taunt back. The difference is that David says, I'm not going to be the one in charge doing this. It is going to be God's army that is managing it. It's not me, it's him. And watch, I'm going to kick your tush. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistines and killed him. Because remember, Goliath had the sword. Saul said, here's my sword. David said, nah, that's not the way I'm going to do it. So he goes out with a sling, a rod, and a staff, and he, he kills Goliath. Now, there's some debate here at the end of this whether the rock kills David or kills Goliath or not. I think that he knocks him out. Right? He falls face down on the ground because then it says David ran over, stood over him. He took a hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. Right? So we all think that David killed Goliath with the stone. I think that he knocks him out. David's on his, Goliath's on his face down. He goes and draws his own sword and kills him because look back, because it says today I'm going to kill you with a sword, but David doesn't have one. Right? So he knocks him out. He goes and dra- grab, grabs Goliath's sword, kills him, and cuts off his head. When the Philistines saw this, that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Wait, 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 wait. The deal was the losers become the slaves. Right? Back in, you know, when the agreement was, hey, we'll go one-on-one, whoever wins, the other team becomes the slaves, right? Nah. Do you think anyone's going to play fair in war? So the Philistines take off and they book it, uh, and then everybody goes and chases them down. The Israel Israelite army is all excited because they've knocked off their giant, so they go and chase him down, and the Israel army goes and does a lot of damage. So, when we think about David versus Goliath, the big piece becomes the, the fact that this little kid beat the giant by just a stone. But I wanted you guys to see like how the story started. So, with that in mind... What's your Goliath? Do you have one right now? Is it a person who repeatedly taunts you? Is it a situation that is nagging you that won't go away? That feels like for 40 nights and days it has taunted you? What's your Goliath? Is it a problem so big that you can't manage it right now? Because if we go about trying to solve it on our way, we'll probably use the wrong equipments, wrong helmets, wrong heart attitude, and get the wrong desires and outcomes. What if we step back and follow God's plan on how to do it? Someone might say, how do I know what God's plan is? My response would be to ask him. Get on your knees and ask God how you're going to solve that problem. Or how God's going to solve that problem. 
One of Joe's favorite quotes is that sometimes that God will quiet the storm. Other times he will quiet the soul and let the storm rage on. It may not be your giant to kill. It may be somebody else's problem to solve, and it is your job to go and, 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 and take that situation. Saul believed that Goliath was too big. David believed in God, and the results was that Goliath was too big to miss. Where's your heart at? Are you ready to serve? Are you ready to use your talents? Are you ready when you're called? And are you doing your father's work? Because that's what we learned in chapter 16. And then God gave us the great illustration about David and Goliath and showed David being about his father's work, being ready to go and fight the giant when he was called. And he used his specific talents to go and manage that will. No sword, no fancy armor, no years of training. He simply knew and believed that God would manage that task, use the talents that he had, answered the call, and went to work. I get to be up here next week, so we'll talk about what those five stones may be in your world and how it might help solve your Goliath in your world. But this week I challenge you that if you have a Goliath in your world, could be a person, could be an event, could be a big problem, that instead of us figuring out how to run from it every day for 40 days in a row, for us to stop, pray, and listen to God's word on what he might have us to do with it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I just thank you so very much for being here today in this in this house, Lord. Thank you for flowing through me and giving the sermon that you need everybody to hear. Lord, I just pray that you continue to watch over us and bless us. Lord, bring us back here safe again next week. Lord, and thank you for the many blessings that we have in our world, the things that we can't even understand that we have that you have blessed us with because of your needs for us. Lord, I thank you so much for loving us, loving us in the way that we come to you, not perfect, not even close, Lord, but uh, knowing that we believe in you and that the battle is already done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.